1: You're listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter will be a forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams.
2: You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams, and we have a very special show this (laughs) day-slash-evening. It's airing at 10 a.m., but this is actually being recorded at like 11 p.m. at night in the middle of Los Angeles, and I have a special guest with me today, Todd Felderstein, and Todd is one of my dear friends, but one of the consummate artists that I've ever run into in my life that shines brightly in so many arenas. He is a photographer, he is a filmmaker, He is, and he does editing as well as a brand new project where he's mentoring, yet again, children and young adults. And Todd's spent a good deal of his adult life mentoring kids and those that even need um, special mentoring who have been affected by their circumstances. And so I welcome Todd Felderstein.
3: Hello, hello,
2: hello. Hello, it's nice to be with you this evening, and it's joy though it's here. playing in the morning, we're going to talk about L.A. in the evening.
3: Yes, uh, we're going to set the scene for you. It's nighttime. <laughs> we're actually looking out at L.A., and it's if the Hollywood sign were lit up, unfortunately it's not lit up anymore, but we'd be able to see it from this window.
2: Absolutely. We're looking at the Hollywood Hills right now, and it's a gorgeous, warm evening here. We just came from dinner on Sunset Boulevard and having a great catch-up talk, and want to share with you all of Todd's artistry and all the many amazing things that he's doing because he's a true talent.
3: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure.
2: Well, I've I've had the pleasure personally. I mean, you know, Todd shot a lot of my music photos and um, many of the things that I put out on my website and on my music page, Todd's the one who did it. And even my jewelry, my my jewelry photo, he did that. And I remember shooting that. In fact, let's tell him that story. (laughs) When we shot that, oh, my God, we went down to a beach in Malibu. That's when it was really
3: windy. Wasn't that when it was really windy at yeah. that time?
2: And we went down to the beach, and we you, you took me up these stairs that were off the beach, and we did like this Ralph Lauren looking shot that was for my jewelry. And down that's at right. the bottom was my former roommate <laughs> shooting <right>. porn. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's right, shooting a couple girls running in the sands in very little. And that's right. And,
2: and as we we came down the stairs again, they had even less on. It was
3: that's right. And and the <laughs> random thing was that you looked and went. That's my former
2: roommate. I mean, the <laughs> almost died. Yes. And what's so hilarious is the photo that came out of that is so beautiful yeah. that you shot of me with the jewelry. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, a clean image. It's such <laughs> And it's
3: still used a lot. Yeah, you still use it frequently. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Absolutely. yeah, it's a great shot.
2: And so it's one of those that um, is really. A contrast to the actual events that were <laughs> happening. Who
3: knows? You never know what you're going to run into in L.A. or being on the beach, and especially remote beaches, was because people yeah. know how to steal a good shot, and uh, they don't think anybody's looking.
2: Where's, the, where's a place that you've shot uh, in L.A. that's one of your favorite?
3: You know, there are two great places that I used to shoot that don't exist anymore. And it's because of gentrification. So the first one, and it's been many years, but I used to shoot underneath the Santa Monica Pier. And still, obviously the pier still exists, but because Santa Monica is now such a hot tourist spot, it's basically walled in. And when I say under the pier, I used to shoot under the pier. So the pier was all pylons, and the waves would come and crash through the pylons, And um, and you'd be able to crawl under there and get great shots. And now the pier has been walled off, so you can't. Yeah, you can't go under the pier anymore. There's you can only go where the bike path is. So yeah, so you go through the bike path, which has it forms like a tiny little tunnel. But other than that, you can't see the depth and the length of the of the pier as it goes into the ocean. And that's where I used to shoot, and it was really really cool.
2: I've actually walked under there a long time ago. Yeah. I didn't know you, that they, they sealed it off. It's all sealed off. Why?
3: Um, probably for safety, oh, I would imagine. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would imagine for safety.
2: So do you have shots from that that you...
3: I do. I would have to find them. I also used to shoot my student films there.
2: Really? So,
3: yeah. Yeah, so when I was in film school, I would go there and shoot my student films, and they were really cool. I was And people would always, where is that? What's going on? And that was... I won't say how long ago, but that was a while. That was a while ago. We never yeah. tell our age no, in LA. No, top secret. Yes, yeah. exactly.
2: Because we never grow we nev- old here. That's we, don't, the we
3: don't age. It's unfortunate. <laughs> we never age. It's true.
2: Yeah,
3: and then the second spot um, was in West LA, and it was it was um, it's where they're putting the the new metro. And um, so, we used to have trolley lines here and train tracks and they sort of run through random neighborhoods and there was an area near West Side Pavilion like Overland just north of the 10 freeway and it's where the train tracks are it's where the metro is now running but before the metro was there it was just these abandoned train tracks that was owned by you know the city and what would happen is grass would grow grow really tall So, because, you know, these paths weren't used. And this was everybody's backyard. So, this neighborhood, that's where they would walk their dogs. It's where they would do whatever. And I used to do photo shoots there. And it was this really high grass. And you're on the train tracks. And if you got it, golden hour. It was really beautiful. And uh, now that doesn't exist anymore. Because the metro is now there. Not only is the metro there, they've put up walls. So, to sound barriers for the homes. Mm -hmm. So, um, none of that. That's all.
2: So much has changed. And you've watched it change. I mean, you've really... Come to know LA as your home, very much. And yeah. you're from Baltimore originally, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you you've come out here, and this is kind of your artistic stomping grounds now. It and is. You've done a lot of art while you've been here. It's
3: um, it's wild. I mean, um, you know, paths unfold. You can set your path. And I thought my life would go in one direction, but it unfolds. And if I look back, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm just, because it all seems like I arrived yesterday. Yeah. But it's not true.
2: What, what's <laughs> one of the fav- your favorite things that you've done artistically since you've been here?
3: Wow. Um, that's an Something awesome that question Something that really
2: stands out in your mind that said, oh, that's it, I did that.
3: You know, that's a, it's an interesting question because a lot of things that I do. To my detriment, I do them and I move on. I don't carry them with me. So I don't run around and go, oh, I did this and I did that. I mean, I, I think if anything, because of my most commercial success was Spider-Man. So, mm-hmm. the TV show. So, um, um, but I don't carry things with me and a lot of people do. And, and I think I should. I think I'd probably be farther ahead in my career if I just had my bag of tricks and said, or my bag of history and said, "Oh yeah, this is this is this and this is that." And I have awards and I have all this other stuff, um, and that's what you need in order to market. But I don't do that, and um, and what happens? And if you talk to a lot of you know business advisors or coaches or uh, PR people, they basically say, "Grab a piece of paper and write down your accolades. Write down the things that you've done." And this is something that I've been meaning to do recently. True story. And uh, and that is really to go through. Since I've been working professionally, some of the titles that I've created and what are the accolades, because most things that I've done, I've gotten recognition, and, uh, and I don't talk about them. I just sort of like, oh, that's great, and I, you, know, you know, let's move on. I think that's I'm, true
2: of a lot of artists, though. And, yeah, and, and yeah. you know, when you speak to other artists, and when you go out and you mingle with other great artists, they don't generally do that. They talk about the art. Yeah. You talk about art in general, right. and that's what you do. You talk about I talk, what you're working on and what's inspiring yeah. you at the moment and you know, or what you've just finished doing. And now. I get
3: around other people who I admire or who, uh, who I meet and then immediately admire them, and I go, man, your, your work is great. And, and I forget about what I've been doing or how I've been doing it. And people then say, you know, if you most photographers or filmmakers who have natural interest in other people... So someone, if you go to somebody and say, man, this is really great, what's the next thing that comes out of their their mouth is, yeah, what are you working on right now? And I don't even think about that. I think about, let me talk about, wow, you had Ray Charles in your office. You had this, you had that. I mean, mean, I've been fortunate a number of times, especially in music, like in the music world. I've been in, in music studios, which is one of my favorite things to do in the world. Is to go into a music studio with a camera and photograph or or video or film or whatever I'm doing, um, artists, and I've been in the room with world class artists. Such so here's a here's a great story. So this is a long time ago, and I was working at Sony Studios, as I mean this is a hundred years ago. I was I think I was an assistant. I was a floating assistant. So I worked for all like producers and. Not writers, but I was working for lots of producers and, and studio execs, high-level studio execs. So it was my in, my introduction, and I loved it. It was an awesome job. I mean, the, the best job if you want to learn the business. So I was, a, I was a kid, big kid. So, you know, I was however old. And um, and I ran into a friend of mine who was a concert violinist. His name is Chaim Strom. And Chaim is this Israeli guy with this big frock of white hair, and he talked like this. And he said, uh, Todd, we ran into each other. He's like, Todd, well, how are you? What is going on? And I said, Chaim, it's <laughs> great to see you. And he goes, Todd, uh, would you have a couple of minutes? And I went, sure, of course. He goes, ah, you must come in. So Chaim took me on to, into one of their sound stages. And sound stages, especially recording stages, are are rated by the decibels of the room. So if they're really, and I couldn't tell you the numbers, but if they're really quiet, they're rated, whatever. And this is one of the sort of like premier recording stages in LA. So I go in there and there's 50 strings. So it's 50 strings and the recording uh, Kenny G's Christmas album and it's being conducted by Marvin Hamlisch. So I walk in there and he's like, Todd, you go and just sit in the corner. Just be quiet. You'll be fine. You'll enjoy it. And all of a sudden Marvin Hamlish gets up there. Kenny G is standing next to him and Marvin Hamlish starts conducting and... Fifty strings at once in this amazing room, and I uh, my whole body just resonated with heaven. And after and I sat there, it was incredible. And afterwards, I said, "Chaim, I, I I now know what heaven feels like." <laughs> and he went, oh, this is a great job. Yes, It was amazing. It was really amazing." So that was before, and then you know, I sort of fell in love with the whole. I've always loved music, and I, I sort of you know, I I was a musician when I was a child. So, um, but. Combining that with my photography and, and filmmaking, it was all great. And so from that point on, I worked. I worked in studios with, you know, really wonderful producers. And um,
2: so, of your photography work, what's one of your premier experiences you've had?
3: I, you know, when I first started, literally, uh, and this was when I first moved to LA, I made my living in photography, and I'm self-taught. I was just picking up the camera and brilliant <laughs> thank you <laughs> but I um, there was a photography store that was on La Brea that's not there anymore and I basically walked in and I had a couple hundred bucks and I bought strobes and I bought a, I bought some equipment uh, of which I didn't really know all that much and um, and I just started shooting and clients started coming you know if you build it they will come situations so I was shooting people are coming I was booked frequently um, in the headshot world. and I started doing portraits. Then suddenly my work is on the walls of Beverly Hills dentists.
2: And on that note, we'll be right back with more Making Life Brighter and Todd Felderstein. You can look him up at toddfelderstein.com. And we'll be right back to hear the rest of Todd's story and exactly what that was. Stay tuned.
4: Making Life Brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype.
0: Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune in to Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
4: Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.makinglifebrighter.com.
1: Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams.
2: And we're back with special guest Todd Felderstein tonight in Los Angeles, California, looking at the Hollywood Hills in the evening. And we were talking with Todd Felderstein, who is a filmmaker, writer-director, and photographer, and we were talking about his special moments of photography. And Todd was telling us about when he had started to work here in LA. So,
3: I am—I'm a photographer at heart. So it all starts with photography. It all starts. People will say, and there's a lot of filmmakers who 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 began with photography and then they moved into um, film and telling stories through motion pictures. But I see things in singular images. I think singular images are really, really powerful. Um, I love movies. Um, I also love documentaries. You know, I actually did a documentary when I was a senior in high school. That was my senior class project. So it was certainly rooted. And I'll tell you, you know, when people will tell you about their stories when they were a kid, when I was under 10 years old, we used to go to the library and rent Super 8 films of um, the... uh, 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 the 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 Three Stooges. It was the Three Stooges. It was the Three Stooges. The Great Train Robbery, uh, the Little Rascals, and we used to. I would project them on my parents' wedding present. It was their projector in the basement. And that was when I was probably six, seven, eight You're years meant old. Meant to do this? I think so. I think I was meant to do this. So um, so photography in LA. It's something that I picked up. Um, very, very, very quickly. I mean, I've been shooting forever. I've been shooting absolutely forever. But professionally, when I picked up the camera, I was doing album covers. I was doing headshots. I was doing portraits. I was photographing people in their homes. Um, I was using strobes. I was going onto roofs and doing this. I mean, suddenly I'm photographing celebrities of, like Charlene Tilton and, uh, from Dallas and um, her daughter. And then uh, Phil Chen, who is Rod Stewart's bass player. And a lot of other musicians. uh, Rock Voisin who at that time was a big Canadian um, rock star. And people were just coming to me. And I had this career going on. I was doing calendars and I was doing all sorts. And at the same time, I was doing short films. So I was going to Circuit City and I would buy a camera. Oh, this is horrible. I would go to Circuit City and I would would buy a video camera. And I would write a script and go out and shoot a short film. And then I would, would return the camera. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you you were one of, those. I was one of those. You were one of those. You were
3: allowed to do it back then. Yes. And then, and so that was it. And, and I used to cast really well. So my actors that I've used have since go, gone on to really great careers. Um, like I cast a, Megan Kavanaugh, who went on to play Marla Hooch in A League of Their Own. Wow. And uh, Andre Nigam, who's a very, still a very good friend of mine, has gone on to a great career. He's now on True Detective. And, um, and he has a wonderful career and just produced a movie. And you see him on Jimmy Kimmel all the time. And, uh, I mean, it just goes on. So it was really, really nice. Uh, I mean, I had such a great time doing that. And then I wound up going to film school and I worked for Jack Haley Jr., whose father was the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. So I learned all about documentaries and clip shows. And I used to edit for him and his his ex-wife, is Liza Minnelli. And, you know, he was good friends with Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra. So suddenly I'm learning all about, you know, the Rat Pack from... Someone who lived with the Rat Pack and, and hanging out at these parties with all with old Hollywood, of which I absolutely love. I think old Hollywood is just great. And I actually made I edited Jack's Jack's sixtieth um, birthday party reel, and it was all his stuff from laughing, and and it was. Um, george slaughter was at his house at the party Unbelievable. And, and george actually came up to me he's like wow this is great this is the greatest thing i've ever seen and one of the mistakes i made is i should have gone george can i have a job yeah. <laughs> i just didn't do that i said i was this naive little kid oh thank you yeah. <laughs> i really like that but yeah that was it so i i mean everything was segueing from one thing to the next and when i was in um when I was working for Jack, I actually wrote a. Sh- I was in film school at the same time, so um, which was at LACC, Los Angeles City College. It wasn't the big fancy ones. It was LACC, great film program. I-, I went there right after the Hughes Brothers. So if you guys know the Hughes Brothers, it's not, look them up on IMDb. But great, you know, very famous folks. And um, and uh, I wrote my short film, and it was called Gesundheit, and it was my very first film. And boom, and it starts playing. Film festivals, before film festivals were even popular. You know, they just started. This was like the late 90s. So it just started, the whole film festival thing. And my film, and I shot it in film. So there are no videos. This was shot on 16. And then from there, my I got picked up by Roger Corman. And I wound up doing some low-budget films as a director. And, um, and then from there, I went off to Sony and, and you know, started writing for Sony. And, and I still very much have my my director hat on. So it's like, if I'm directing or if I'm doing photography or if I'm writing, um, I feel at home. And i and that's, that's sort of the hardest thing I think for any artist, because I, although making a living and all that other stuff is so much ingrained in all of us, if I find a good story, I'm like, okay, let's go do it. If I see someone who's interesting, I'm, I'm just happy to pick up a camera and go out and shoot. And it's, Horrible. <laughs> it's horrible.
2: <laughs> it's not uh, horrible. It, it leads to great art. And you just had a showing recently in Wilshire Boulevard. Is that right?
3: Uh, I did. Well, I did. At, um wasn't on Wilshire. It was on Sunset. And um, I'm also on the faculty of LACP, which is Los Angeles, Los Angeles Center of Photography. So um, they had a big faculty show and I had an image in the show. And, uh, you know, I've won a few, I don't actually remember all the awards, but I've won a handful of photography awards and I've won a handful of um, film festivals as well. And um, in the both documentary realm and a narrative uh, fiction realm. And um, yeah, and now I'm figuring out what my next one is. is
2: You're also mentoring again. Now let's talk about your story project first, because the story project, though it's not current right now, it... It speaks to your nature as a person and the things that you do for other people, which I think is so important. And you have such a knack for this. I mean, you are this true to true to your core. So, you. tell everybody about the Story Project because it's so special.
3: Well, in the late '90s, um, the Story Project was actually formed by Dina Merrill and Ted Hartley, who are the chairman and co-chairman of RKO Studios, and they decided to create a nonprofit that further communication skills in at-risk teens. Throughout L.A., they wanted to...
2: At-risk teens.
3: Teens, yes. Yeah. So throughout L.A., they really wanted to... It was more than were giving back is a, is a, is a funky little term. Um, they wanted to, to really... They, they realized that people's happiness and success is really based on communication. And that if you can't express yourself, then you're going to have a lot of problems with your future. So they figured, what's our greatest asset in L.A.? And that's really the storytelling community... So they reached out to Hollywood and basically said, hey, will you come into the classroom with us? And I had just started working as a director at that time. And I knew the executive director. And she said, Todd, come on into the classroom. Uh, directing professionally, by the way. So she said, Todd, come on into the classroom. Would you want to do it? And I've always loved teaching and I love kids. And I actually taught when I was in college. And, um, and I said, sure, of course. So I was one of the first mentors. And this is 1998. And we created um, curricula that that dealt with um, furthering storytelling through through digital media, through through uh, photography, through screenwriting, through short form narrative storytelling, through puppet shows, through whatever. So it started in a boys and girls club and it sort of never let never ended. And in 2007, I was asked to take it over as the executive director because I had been mentoring for so many years and I said, Short and I, what was supposed to be like this short little stint lasted until 2013, and in 2013 I stepped back and said I need to become my, a filmmaker uh, full time again, even though I was still doing films at the same time, and um, and so now the story project has has story project has uh, downsized to a certain degree, but there's still. They're still alive, and they're still helping out other schools, and they're still fiscally sponsoring other schools, and we've affected positively um, so many kids throughout LA. And when I was the ED, we actually expanded nationally. So we went to Texas, we went to Maryland, and uh, we were adopted by Reader's Digest. So it was really we did we did great. That's it was phenomenal. Really, it was amazing. It was what a,
2: did you notice was the number one positive aspect of that program?
3: Smiles. Yeah. <laughs> smiles. I mean, there's. It, there's um, in certain places, uh, unfortunately, throughout the country, um, kids don't uh, they don't get to be kids. They have to become adults. They have to survive. So it no longer becomes a, a childhood of fun and learning and exploration and taking chances. It becomes a childhood of survival. What am I going to do to get through today? I mean, adult choices that they have to make, and that it's it's um, horrible actually. So what happens is is suddenly we introduce them to imagination, um, something that comes naturally to kids especially, but to everyone. And they, for some reason, have surrendered their imagination uh, at a very early age. And we just, you know, sort of dust it off. So you basically teach them
2: how to make a film, you teach them how to make a song, you teach them how to create a project from the get-go. Right and some the of these beginning. kids have never had that opportunity. Right,
3: right. Some of these kids are... They're, what they're doing is they're just using their creativity that they have that's naturally there, um, but they haven't been allowed to use it because they've had too many other things to worry about. They're in
2: survival mode. They're
3: in survival mode. They're worrying about crossing the streets <clears throat> safely. They're worried about getting to these kids have
2: seen that kind of violence. Oh, yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: They weren't hardened?
3: Um, there's a point. There's actually a point of no return, unfortunately. And... If you start working with students who are young enough, then great, then you're doing really well. There, Unfortunately, there's a point, usually in the high school years, where kids or students have been exposed to so much difficulty that they will not return. Because they either don't trust you, they don't trust it, or they don't believe in their future anymore. They don't believe there is a future. So it's like, why are you doing this with us. Great. It's You're a pointless. nice guy, There's but it's pointless. Exactly. Kind of underneath all that. Yes, exactly. exactly.
2: Wow. Wow. Well, you know, you've done so many different things and you do them all so well. You're so talented. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk with Todd more about his film work and some of the other things that he's doing today currently in his mentorship and again, with young people and young adults and just phenomenal work all the way around. I can't praise him enough. His photography is amazing. I'm waiting for the giant art gallery showing and the book. Right. So we're waiting for the book, Todd. Now, uh, tell us another one of your websites so people can look up some more of your work.
3: So people would say to me, Todd, what do you do? I would say Todd Makes Films. So go to ToddMakesFilms.com.
2: <laughs> we'll be right back with more Making Life Brighter and Todd Felder stuff.
4: Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.makinglifebrighter.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit makinglifebrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by
1: Skype. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions, comments, or would like to make an appointment with medical intuitive Winifred Adams, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. Now back to the show with your host, Miss Winifred Adams.
2: We're back talking to Todd Felderstein and hearing all of his amazing stories through his varied careers in photography and film, and he was just telling us how he mentored children and uh, at-risk children. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now.
3: Well, I'll tell you, when I was um, the ED at at the Story Project, so at the same time I was still out there making films, so I did a handful of music videos. I was still doing photography, shooting whenever I could. Uh, obviously teaching a whole bunch. And then I did a bunch of collaborative films from short form, 30 minute to, I did two features as well. And What's a, colla- a
2: collaborative film?
3: Yeah, so a collaborative is, is where you are a co-director and a co-writer and a co-producer with other people. So I am in the Guinness Book of World Records right now as one of 25 <laughs> directors on a film that came out, I think two years ago called The Owner. And it was a film that was based out of Detroit actually, but it had filmmakers from all over the world. So together as a group and mass all over the world, we collaborated on one singular storyline and then we shot our own segments. And then they were all edited together at in one specific wow. location, and then we came out with a feature that was released two years ago. And then we have our second one. That's what was going to the be, name of that? That one was called The Owner, and then we have mm-hmm. one called The Train Station, which is probably going to come out in the next couple months. And that one has more directors, of which I don't know how many. Uh, so what
2: put it in the Guinness Book of World Records
3: because we we are there for the most directors on a single film at twenty five. Oh. We knocked out a film that it was either twenty three or twenty four, of which Joel and Ethan Cohen. We're we're located sweet. So I bumped Joel and Ethan Cohen, basically. <laughs> which is quite an accolade. So there you go. Quite a feather. Yes. So he did that. And then um, so what's happening outside of those, I am so I have written two T V pilots, one of which is being actively pitched and I'm really excited because it's being received quite well. Um I'm, you know, I don't want to say, Oh, I've got this stuff. But I've, you know... You're working I'm, on it. I'm working on it. So I have quite a, quite a few. Um,
2: but you're mentoring kids right now.
3: I'm mentoring... My big mentor project is something called Camera Conversations, and which is something that I was inspired to do a little while ago. And it takes my mentoring career and it pairs with my filmmaking career. And basically what I wanted to do is create short stories, three to six minutes, that reveal people's pivot points in their lives. Pivot points are basically... Aha moments! Um, why did I take the red pill over the blue pill, as they say in the Matrix? So what I do is it's a very much of a one man show. Is I'll go and, and have meetings with various people, and I bring either one or two cameras, very little lighting. I want to keep everything very natural, as natural as can be. And um, we have these we these short, intimate conversations about why is it that you do what you do? What is what was that moment where you made this decision? And the idea is is that. If you're a person, say I'm talking with a musician, the idea is, is that, you know, say you're 15 years old and you have the aspirations to be a musician, you could say, well, I, I want to be a session rock guitar player. Who can I talk to, who can I listen to for guidance? Just so happens I interviewed a guy named Michael Thompson who was the number one recorded rock guitar musician in the 90s, so he's on more number one singles than any other musician in history and Michael talks about what was it what was it that got him started what was it that kept him in the game um, how what kind of discipline what's important to him and he does that in a, in a short story and it's actually that well, piece is going where people find
2: real.
3: these camera dot com so if you go to camera dot com there's a library right now of um, over 20 and it's growing so there'll be uh, you know hopefully it's going to be um, never ending hopefully they'll just keep on growing and growing and growing and growing and there's you know, I call it virtual mentoring. Um, but it's much more than that. It's certainly entertaining. Um, there are lots of fun. They're, of all
2: the celebrity people you've worked with or come in contact with, who is the most inspiring to you? Who, who is one of the people that just made you very inspired or contemplate life? Uh,
3: from a photography standpoint, it's Guy. Guy Webster. So um, Guy, I did not do a camera conversation. I actually interviewed Guy for a magazine uh, which is called Venetian. But Guy, as a photographer, we, there's a, we resonate together. So um, I think everybody in life looks for a mentor. And there's some people who go, oh, I never had a mentor. But I think, especially with the successful people, the people who really have amazing careers, they will credit their career to being inspired by someone else. And, you know, a guy I've only known now for a year and a half, I'd say, maybe two. And I wish I met him 20 years ago. But even at this point, I mean, and we've only talked a handful of times. It just means a lot to me. It really works. He
2: is a special guy. No spe- pun intended. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> He's then, a very
2: special person.
3: And there is a person um, actually very, very early in my career. There's a guy's name is Gil Siegel. I hope Gil hears this. Um, but Gil is someone who is he was a, man, a music manager um, who I met a long time ago and Gil is Gil's a remarkable soul he's just enormously generous he introduced me to people like Burt Backrack and Jerry Moss and all, all the people who I've worked with in the past who he's just such a good guy and really really knowledgeable about business and people so that's, you know, that, that, that was a
2: talent unto itself. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. What?
3: Gil just is, uh, and I think that's true. I think Gil is, is sort of everybody's favorite uncle. And, um, <laughs> yeah. e- even if you're not related, he's just everybody's favorite uncle. And, you know, he's one of these people that, that even if we don't talk often enough, I'll, you know, just hold a special place.
2: What's your yeah. favorite film project that you've worked on?
3: I think the favorite film well Magic's holds a special place in my heart because Magic's was my first feature documentary and you know I ran off to Israel pretty much on a whim just saying look I'm going to do it I'm going to grab a camera and I'm going to go and I made it and it won um, a couple bests. it won five bests and it won stuff and so it was one of those things I think your favorite film project is the one that you're working on now really I think Whatever's you, present Whatever's present yeah, yeah. you just want to go and dedicate and be creative and keep on moving forward. I mean, there's things,
2: it's the flow, isn't it? It's not the the result, the end result. Yeah.
3: You look at your, you look at your shelf and you say, Oh, I remember this. And I remember that, but it's, but those are, you know,
2: are you besting yourself or are you just exploring yourself?
3: Hopefully I'm besting myself. You mean improving? Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I'm improving. Yeah. I mean, I know, interestingly enough, my camera conversations are improving. They're certainly getting better. Um, I have a, I have a, like you, I have a nice knack with interviewing people, so that is working, and I'm able to sort of, I'm curious, I'm a, I'm a curious guy, especially on a one-to-one, I don't like if I'm in a room and I have to fight for attention, or fight for it, I don't like that, but if I'm on a one-to-one, you know, let's talk for hours, I'm, I'm good, yeah, that, that really, that really <laughs> We've works. talked for hours. Yes, we have, <laughs> yeah. We've shared
2: all our fun and crazy and insane stories living in L.A., yes and traversing the entertainment world. And I have a very obscure question for you. How has being Jewish in L.A. affected you?
3: That's a great obscure question. How has being... Um, I love being Jewish. So Both I,
2: ways. How has it affected you? Yeah,
3: so I really identify... I mean, I'm, you know, there's no getting around it, quite honestly. First of all, my last name is Felderstein. I haven't shortened it. I didn't yeah. lengthen it, so it sort of gives it away. And um, I, you know, I love my culture uh, and um, it's not, you know, I don't belong to a synagogue and um, I, I, I think to my detriment and I think that, you know, churches and synagogues and any place of worship, that it's ultimately about community. And I think that's really important. I think that in order to have success in yourself, um, regardless of your career, it's really important to find your community. So I, I think that had I, or maybe in the future, if I belong, my your community supports you. That's that's the goal. Being Jewish in L.A., the, the great thing about I think being Jewish anywhere is that we are in community. We are certainly there's not a lot of us out there. You know, I think in the whole world there's about 16 million. That's it. So um, and you know we have a bond. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you how.
2: But it's so entertainment driven is so it's interesting there's there's so much culture in the jewish community of entertainment and and business just well jews
3: are natural storytellers so it's that's how our culture survived and we you know jews are two things um education and stories that's what we're about and you know throughout history we we have maintained our own cultural identity through storytelling so we are natural storytellers. That's what it is. So it only sort of makes sense that we're able to market this and you know, 100 years ago, 120 years ago, and actually turn it into an industry. I think the Jewish, there's still a very strong Jewish presence in Hollywood. No longer is it, is it Jewish-dominated? I don't know. But it's, a, I mean, it's enormously multicultural now.
2: Does it so. help you at all? in traversing this I would love train. to say yes
3: but no not no. really it hasn't uh, and maybe I'm I'm working the system wrong but no <laughs> no um, uh, so it, the,
2: the idea that you know being Jewish puts you in a, a favored position in the entertainment industry isn't exactly true it's no it's being an individual artist
3: being an individual being you know it's a business it's a business and people if you're going to it's about making money at the end of the day so go express yourself, create, create well. But it really it's about making money. I you know because
2: everyone says it's about your contacts and who you know, and I don't know if that's totally true.
3: Yeah, I don't either. I know a lot of people, and um, I have lots of acquaintances, and I have, uh, like most people, I think you know, very good, very a small list of very good friends. Um, but I think. I think this industry is very clicky. I don't look at it as a as religion or cultural. I think of it. I think of it more as uh, the Greek system in a college.
2: That's interesting.
3: Yeah. So I look at I look at TV as being fraternities and sororities. Mm-hmm. That that's totally what television is. It's uh, you know you have to be accepted. You have to go in and go through rush week, and then you have to be <laughs> accepted into a fraternity or sorority, and then you have parties. To me, that's what television is. And you have independent film. Which is everybody else. If you want to make a movie, go out and make a movie. It makes no difference. You don't have to be accepted by anything. You can be a rebel. You can go out and say, and, and do whatever you want to do. Uh, and if you want to be in commercial movies, you know, then it ha- then it's its own club. You know, it's probably more of the geeks than anything else, you know. It's the the cinema club that meets, you know, in the back room that nobody really wants to talk to. Which is cool. I mean, I'm happy to be part of that club. I mean, so that's it.
2: It's all of it. So. We'll be right back with more Todd Felderstein right here on MakingLifeBrighter.com. Stay tuned.
4: Making Life Brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.makinglifebrighter.com.
2: And we're talking today slash tonight with Todd Felderstein, and we're in Los Angeles, California. We've been talking to Todd about his artistry, his belief system, and basically his experiences here in L.A. And Todd's been really involved in mentoring and mentoring children. He's got a special program that he's doing right now, and he was just discussing his camera conversations. And you can look that up at cameraconversations.com. You can look up his other work at toddfelderstein.com and
3: Toddmakesfilms.com.
2: Toddmakesfilms.com. I mean Todd's just everywhere. everywhere.
3: Everywhere, Everywhere Todd.
2: Exactly. <laughs> that's the next one you need. <laughs> Todd Everywhere. <Yeah>,
3: ToddEverywhere.com. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm
2: kidding. <laughs> so tell us about the new mentorship program that you're doing right now.
3: Well, I just finished teaching for two weeks at Los Angeles Center of Photography, which is Photography is photography's just really close to me, and I, it was really actually I was really flattered that I was asked. Um, this all came about through another friend of mine who's a photographer, Marissa Roth, who's a wonderful former LA Times photographer, and she introduced me to LACP. And the last two weeks, I've been teaching teen street portraiture, and um, I've actually this is my the fourth my fourth class that I've taught with them, and you know kids are. These are not kids from um, challenged communities. These are kids with uh, a little bit more resources, a little bit more privilege, because there's um, certainly a cost with this class. But yet, it's really amazing that I think outside of the socioeconomic, the creativity is there. It's you give kids the opportunity, you give them the camera, you give them the the wherewithal, and... Um, you can't make it up and you, you, you just, you really can't. And not only that, but as a creative, you look at what these kids are creating and you go, wow, where did this come from? How did they figure this out? Like where what? Did,
2: what are they doing?
3: They're doing just composition. They're doing images. We're doing street work where they place the camera in a tree. And uh, and the camera's dangling, and and it comes up with an angle that you never thought of, or you never wanted to think of, quite honestly. And it gives you something that that's amazing, that is absolutely amazing. There's so what w- do you
2: find in these kids? What's the what's the surprising element that you found in doing this?
3: No restrictions. So we give ourselves restrictions. We give ourselves rules. Rules are horrible things. Rules are, <laughs> so rules are, I mean, even in photography, you know, we learn leading lines. We learn rule of thirds. We learn all sorts. And you'll, and myself included, you know, any instructor is going to say, these are the rules of photography. Now I want you to forget the rules. Well, even before they, they know these rules, they're out and just doing what feels right. They're, they're blending with the creative flow. So they're they're making it happen. They're just really making it happen. And you know, there's ways to improve it. There's certainly ways to improve it, but they are creating things without restriction. And what I find that we're doing um, as we get older is we start following rules. We have assignments and we go, okay, well, this is what I need to do to accomplish this assignment. So... You know, then we start doing it over and over again. We don't challenge enough. We don't, we're shooting on automatic. We're living life on automatic way too much. Uh, our world has become so automated or so computerized. We live in a world where we live in an app world. Mm. We live in a world where we can take a picture on our phone. We could slide over an app. We can get great color. We can get great cropping. We can adjust our brightness. We can do all sorts of stuff in camera. It's only going to get worse. And we're forgetting, yes, that's creative, but wow, wouldn't it be great to create at that moment instead of in your phone, instead of relying on technology, is we have to learn, photography is a learn, street photography is is about learning how to see, it's about how to see life around you. And if you're looking at your phone, you're not going to see life. And so many people walk down the street with their head down.
2: Do you miss film, like?
3: I miss, (laughs) it's funny, I went to a a show, a gallery show last night with with Norman Seif who's a very well-known rock and roll photographer and I watched a video after leaving him, I watched this video that you can find on YouTube where it had pictures, it had a video of him shooting in a photo shoot, he's shooting Ray Charles and he's using a camera with a motor drive and you just hear, and that's how I started. And I, you know, an MD-12 motor drive on my Nikon FM2. And I forgot, you know. And, yeah, that's great. It's like, you know, your first girlfriend. And it's, it's just awesome. And you, you press the button. It's just... And, it's, and it, doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that, actually. You can't change that sound. It's awesome. It really is awesome. So, yes, I do miss that.
2: What is it that you see happening in the future with the way we're going with everything?
3: Well, I, what do I see? I'm, I think technology's great. I think I love technology. However, you can't replace technology with appreciation. I don't know if we're appreciating things anymore. I think our world is becoming enormously disposable and we could erase digital with all the beauties that that digital has created. It's also given us an ease at erasing. And I think that if there's something that we don't like, Instead of enjoying or learning from those impurities or those mistakes, or we're erasing them, we're pressing the button, we're bringing in the bulldozer. You know, it's like in L.A. We never remodel. We don't remodel in L.A. We bulldoze over and start from scratch. It's like, what's wrong with the old? Why don't we just slap on a coat of paint? No, we don't do that. That's it's an amazing thing about L.A. I've never seen. I mean, when I moved here from Baltimore, I come from the land of you know wallpaper and yeah. paint <laughs> <And> brick buildings <laughs> and brick buildings you know in LA it's like oh we just bought a house or we just bought a building boom the builder the bulldozers come in they they level Flat- it, it yeah. they flatten it and they start from scratch i'm like wow that's really incredible i remember growing up in my neighborhood 10 minutes away, you can go down to this brick building that had a plaque on it that said 17, you know, something or other, and it gave a history of that building. And, hey, this is Maryland. It's like, really? If it were L.A., it would be a plaque in the ground, you be, know, and there would be a Starbucks behind it, yeah. and, the plaque, and the plaque would say, this is what happened here 200 years <laughs> ago, yeah, really. you know? It
2: would be on a film somewhere. Here's the yeah. trailer. <laughs>
3: yes, <or something>. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. but, so it, but where are we going? I think we really have to. We really have to cherish our moments. We don't need to. We don't necessarily need to record them. We need to live them. We need to look up. Where are we Good going?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
3: I where that. are we going? I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of really magical things that are going to happen in the future. The fact I think the question is: Are we going to appreciate them, or are we just going to say, "Okay, that was great. What's next?" You know, okay. Oh, they moved. That, that was really wonderful. What's next? And I think if I think if we just keep on moving at the rate that we're moving, at the speed that we're moving, without really appreciating, then one, we're never going to be satisfied uh, because we're going to keep on. Not even accumulating. It's just nothing's going to really affect us anymore. We're going to forget how to use our senses. Mm -hmm. And we really have to... One of the greatest things was when I had this show at LACP and my images on the wall. People are walking around looking at images. A friend of mine came in who was an art curator and she stopped and she looked at the image and just stood there. Stood there for a while. And I said, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm taking it in.
2: Awesome. And on that note... We've been speaking with Todd. Todd, what makes your life brighter?
3: You do the fact that, <laughs> yeah, the fact that you're interested and you're concerned and that you want to share and that uh, that you're on this mission. Yeah, you make my life brighter, and people like you. And hopefully, there'll be a lot more people like you that that are interested and concerned and curious.
2: Very cool. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Todd Felderstein. Everybody, go to all those websites. And we'll be back next week with more Making Life Brighter Radio right here. Thank you, Todd.
3: Thank
1: you. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us each week at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out.
0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.